morning. Past few weeks, we've been looking at Jacob. Um, I haven't done a lot of teaching on Jacob, but man, it's been about about a month, and I haven't gotten off this guy. And I mean, what? I go to the jail, and I'm talking about him. We go in the church in the park, we're talking about him. I've been here, we've talked about him. And, you know, I'm down at the men's retreat, and he just keeps coming up. And there's something about his life that I think that we all can kind of relate to. Jacob was a character. Any characters in the house? <laughs> Jacob was also a knucklehead at one time. I'm not going to ask you all the knuckleheads to raise your hand, but, you know, there's redemption. There's redemption in the blood of Jesus, okay? We're not... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love my honest friend. <laughs> oh, boy. And so last week, um, we were talking about this guy. Jacob, you guys may know, he was a deceiver. He was a heel grabber. He was a supplanter. That was his name because when he was being born, he was a twin. He was the second born of a twin. And he, his elder brother was being born, Esau, and he reached up and grabbed him by his heel, you know, and, and that's how he ended up with his name, Jacob which means surplanter, heel grabber, deceiver. Well, he went through his life deceiving and being deceived. It was just, it was a mess. I mean, a matter of fact, that was happening around Genesis 30, or 30s. But when you get around 45, after he made it to Egypt, Pharaoh asked him, said, well, how old are you? He's like, 130 years Few and miserable were those years. I mean, it, I mean, you live 130 years, and the only testimony you have is that they've been miserable. Man, you should have got another uh, like life coach. Somebody. It's a, we should have asked some more questions. We should have done some more things. But this was his life. But you know what? Jacob, like a lot of us, you know, we, before we started condemning him, <laughs> he was doing the best he could with what he had. He was trying to survive. Been there. We just trying to make it, man. I mean. I mean, he probably, he probably rolled out of Texas with an F-350 loader to the max with furniture falling off the sides and stuff, just trying to get to tell you right. I don't know. He was just trying to survive, man. I'm sorry. sorry. I just can't help myself. That was a funny picture. I need that picture. I really do. Uh, <laughs> these are their friends. Um, so here you have it. So we know that Jacob's life, was one that was, it was selfish, to say the least. I mean, he did things to make life good for him. Call it survival, call it what you would, but he, he lived a pretty selfish life. Um, and so I want to look at something this morning real quick, and it's not going to, well, we're not going to talk about selfishness, you can relax, kind of. <laughs> but. There's something that happened to Jacob when he encountered God. And we said this last week, one of the sole purposes for us to come together, for us to worship him, for us to uh, sing songs about God's goodness is, is to encounter him. You know, really and truly, we come to a place like this, it's not, it's not about listening to some great speaker. And you might want to go thank God for that. That was supposed to make fun, but I'm just, I'm not, thank you, thank you right there, yeah. But it's not, it's not about listening to great teachers, although that's part of it, but the reality of it is, 
we come to encounter God. We want God to meet us in this place because when we meet with him, man, our hearts are changed in ways we never thought it, it, we could be there. I mean, some of us, we have walked in places that we never thought we would walk out of. We thought lifestyle was going to be that lifestyle, man, and until we encountered God, it's like all of a sudden I like people. I mean, I like myself now. <laughs> Go figure. But it hasn't always been that way. And if I could talk myself into a good life, that would be awesome. You know, I've been in a place where I couldn't even talk myself into doing good. But man, God come along and like Jacob, Jacob encountered him. And it changed his character. It changed his identity. It changed the way he walked in life. It just changed his life. But before then, and so, and there was a reason behind that. Okay, God had a plan. God said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God had a plan that, Jacob, you've got to get it right because there are people depending on you to get this thing right. There are generations waiting for you. My children needed me to, to kind of get some things right. And there's, was that an amen? <laughs> I can tell you what. My community, my generation, the next generation is, was waiting, is waiting for Kedrick to kind of, you know, ah, to click into God's purpose and call for my life so I can pour this thing out so they can benefit from it. And so today, I do, I do want to talk about this thing about Jacob. You know, Jacob, the blessed one, blessing a generation. You might remember, what are those things up there? The, I, glad you asked. Oh, and by the way, did I mention this, this was a uh, participation course? Yeah. <laughs> this is what that is. That is a two-pound British coin. And Sue and I got this one back in 2000. We were visiting England, and I saw that, and I was like, oh, that is awesome. Well, on, if you could read the inscription on the edge of it, it says, standing on the shoulders of giants. I would ask you to read this one, but it would be a little too small. But it says, standing on the shoulders of giants. And that is one of the things that Jacob was responsible for. That was something that Abraham was responsible for. That was something that Isaac was responsible for. It's for the next generation to be able to stand on their shoulders and succeed in life without having to reinvent the wheel. I believe it was said like this, if you said the whole thing, it's like, if I see further than I've ever seen before because I stand on the shoulders of giants. My children should not have to reinvent the wheel. They shouldn't have to go back and try to dig up, wow, who is this Jesus guy? Well, especially when I should have at least told them, you know, the basics about who this guy is. So they can stand on my shoulders and see further than they've ever seen before. But like I was saying earlier, Jacob was kind of selfish in his life. And he went through life. He was deceiving and being deceived. And there's something about this whole selfish thing. And I will, I will throw this out there just for the sake of conversation. James 3 and 16 says it like this. It says, for where jealousy and selfish ambitions exist, this is the amplified version, I like it, there is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally 
upgrading plans. This is the bottom line of what we find when we see a culture of selfishness happening around us. He said, at the end of the day, he says, ah, just a lot of disorder. <laughs> a lot of evil stuff happening there. Morally degrading practices. This is the life of Jacob. But I'm going to say that and move on. Somewhere along the way, Jacob got it right. Somewhere along the line, Jacob encountered God. And remember the story where he met this angel. He grabbed a hold of him, and he was wrestling with him. And the angel said, the sun is coming up. Let me go. He said, nope, not letting you go until you bless me. In other words, Jacob's like, I need you to do something to me that I can't do for myself, so I'm not going to stop trying. Hello? I'm not going to stop trying. To me, this tells me that, you know what, I may not have it right today, but Lord, if you give me a chance to breathe again tomorrow, I'm going to try it again. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, if I diligently seek him, he will reward me of those things that I've been looking for. So he is a rewarder. Come on. He loves giving gifts to his children. He loves it. He loves it when his children come to him and say, Dad, need some help here. I need you to touch me. I need you to do some things for me. I need you to work on my mind. I need you to work on my heart. I need you to do something to me so when I step out into the world, I have something to offer, not just for me personally, but for generations to come. I mean, Jacob, he had this situation, we'll read it here in a moment, when he finally got it right, God gave him the revelation that, son, you're not just a knucklehead, you're not just someone who's trying to make it through life and survive, but you literally have nations abominations inside of you. You have kings on the inside of you because you are willing to embrace the fire of God to, to burn away all the excess baggage. <laughs> None of us have baggage in here, all right? I'm going to use the word us because I think this is all a personal group here because if you came in here and you've never had any baggages, that's great. Write a book, tell us how you did it. But for the rest of us who's going to tell the truth, this is what it kind of looks like. <laughs> Sometimes we go through life and we have these baggages, you know. I mean, matter, matter of fact, the, the scripture says, you know, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily beset you. He said, not only sometimes there are sin issues there that kind of drag us backwards. He said, but man, there's weight. There's things that's like, ah, oh, there's people weight. There's worry weight. There's just weight. There's like, how am I, what am I going to eat weight? You know, I've eaten too much weight. I mean, whatever. Just weight. And he said, if you would trust me, if you would believe that I am really who I said I am, and you turn your heart and diligently set your mind to it, to seek me, I will reward you. This is a promise of God. Man, we could be like Jacob. It may not happen today, but I'm not letting you go. It may not happen tomorrow, but I'm not letting you go. God, they could be putting this corpse in the ground and throwing dirt in my face. But one thing I want people to know, that I never stopped seeking you. I never stopped trying. And that's where it is. You never stop trying. Don't stop. 
don't stop. Then God appeared to Jacob, and when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him, God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also, God said to him, I am God Almighty. Yes, you are. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you. Kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and to your descendants. After you, I give this land. It's kind of interesting. Now, after Jacob has kind of gotten it right, one thing that I have learned, and I'm learning, and I think God would like for all of us to learn this because it's a kingdom principle, is that Kendrick, you don't live your life just solely based on what you can get today. But begin to live your life where you are imparting into the next generation to walk out God's principles. See, God is like this. Jacob, I've seen you. We've had a talk. We got some things straight. Oh, and by the way, there's nations inside of you. There's kings on the inside of you. Oh, yeah, and the land that I told your granddaddy and your daddy, I'm giving it to you so you'll be able to give it to the next generation. And he grabbed a hold of this mindset and said, wait a minute, it's not just about me anymore. Hello? It's not. The fact that we exist, I'm telling you, it's not just for me. I mean, I like my life, but I'm finding out I have to, I can't be selfish and just keep all this goodness to itself. That was a joke too. So. But I must be willing to share my life with others so they can learn. I'm learning, I'm learning that I must be willing to teach my children and my children's children, whether my natural children or those that God has put in my life, and to live not just for today, but for the next generation. And it's that way in everything. If it's in business, build your business where it is succeeding tomorrow. Don't eat all your seeds just today. But you make a profit, you invest back into the business, into the company, the next thing you know, man, bam, there's two stores on the corner. You build your business, you invest back in, bam, next thing you know, there's four stores. Or there's four whatevers, and people are being blessed on every corner in, in different states. And next thing you know, you're doing international trading, and all of this stuff is great, regardless of how you feel about it. It could be a blessing to other people. But even in business, in my family, I, I, may, I, may I build my family and teach my kids how to live not just for today, but for tomorrow. In our church, I'm telling you, what you see here is, it could be as awesome as you think this is, but it doesn't stop here. You may or may not know, but there are people in the Philippines right now cheering us on because they know that, man, they are blessed because this house exists. There are people in India, man, they cheer us on because they are blessed because this house exists. There are people in Peru, they're cheering us on because they're blessed because this house exists. 
but this is the way God wants us to live our life. So people will be blessed because you exist. Other people. Bowie, regardless of what he thinks about me, is blessed because someone else existed. <laughs> I love you too, man. <laughs> but it is. Teach yourself, teach your children that what you do today should have impact. Let me just say it like this, put a little bit more responsibility on it. What you do today will have impact on the outcome of tomorrow. It will. Whether I want it to be or not, whether it's for business, family, church, politics, man, that principle is all across the board. I don't care who you're voting for or what you're doing, but you be convicted is when you do it that you're not just looking at that poll today, you're looking down the line for tomorrow. That's just the way it is because somebody is going to be impacted by the X in my box. Someone's going to be impacted by the message I preach. I hope so. Especially these two right here. <laughs> I know that. Just, just work with me, will you? Just come on. Remember King. King. What mama said last night? I know. Mama said that I, anyway, never mind. We're going to they didn't agree with it, but mama said it. That's all that matters. <laughs> but this is so cool. Here you have Jacob. He grabs this idea. He gets an understanding that success we're not supposed to be talking like that. He grabs the idea and the revelation success, if you want to use that word, can't just be wrapped around my feet. Success, when I look at it, has to connect and get involved in other people's lives and journeys. So, here you have Jacob. He have an encounter with God. God sees him. He tells him, this is who you are. This is what's coming out of you. Oh, yeah, and by the way, the generations after you are going to be blessed because you're blessed. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all right? And so he moves on down. And this is years later, you know, Jacob, they finally get to Egypt. And he's sitting there after this whole big drought, this famine has taken place. Joseph, his son, the one he really liked, the one with the coat of many colors who his brothers wanted to kill, this Joseph, he has these sons, and so he's going to bring them to dad. There you go. Jacob was sitting on his bed, and he was actually was laying down in his bed, and he was kind of sick. Actually, he was dying, so not kind of sick. He was sick, <laughs> sick, dying. But he got word that Joseph and his sons was coming to see him, and this is where we catch up here. It says, Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming to you, and get this. Israel strengthened himself and set up on the bed. Now, let's pause it for a moment. I like this because Jacob, meanwhile, meanwhile, back on the bed, is dying. His flesh, his body, the knucklehead guy, the deceiver guy, that name. That's what Jacob means, deceiver. He'll grab it. It's dying. But God revealed to him his purpose and called him Israel. The same person in the same scripture 
in the same sentence, it says, Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming to you. Get this. And Israel, same guy, strengthened himself. And let me just throw this out to you for a moment. Just think on it, chew on it, marinate in it. One of the things that gives us strength to go forward, be, a, be productive citizens in this, on this planet, to look people in the eye and declare over them the goodness of God is to recognize that I do have a purpose in my life. And that purpose is beyond me. Joseph, I mean Joseph, Jacob, remember, he's dying. He was the deceiver guy. But God said, no longer will you be called Jacob, but you will be called Israel. And Israel, you have some stuff to do. You've got a generation that you've got to impart to. You've got land that you've got to get to the next generation. And so, while Jacob is dying, but his purpose gave him the ability to keep going forward. So one more hurrah. I've got something else to do. One of the things, one of the reasons for some of us, not all of us, some of you guys have figured this thing out, but for some of us, the reason life feels like this. is because I haven't stopped to say, God, okay, show me my purpose. Show me my purpose and who is it that I'm supposed to be involved in making their lives better. And I can get to that point. I'm not saying you won't have some of these. <laughs> but at that point, it's like, wee! <laughs> Instead of, oh, man. Yeah, well, life could be a roller coaster, but either I could be enjoying that ride or I'm dreading it. I choose to try to enjoy mine. When it's taking that downward thing, it's like, oh, yeah, Lord. I want to feel your adventure in my life. I want to know we're doing something cool. I want to know, God, that you've called me to do something that I never thought I could do. God, I just want to go, oh, yeah, this is where we're going. What, you want me to get on that plane and do what again to go where? That's 30-some hours of travel. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but when you get there, it's going to be awesome. All right, God, we can do that. If there wasn't a purpose for me going to the Philippines, that 30-some hours of traveling in and out of an airport, 16 to 17 hours in one bird at one time, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. I can find an orphanage a lot closer. I could find some youth a lot closer. I could find some hungry kids a whole lot closer. But for some reason, I want you to touch these right here. Okay. Well, it makes it worth it. So, Israel strengthened himself, and he set up, and this is what he did. Thank you. People looking out for me. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty, appear to me at Luz and the land of Canaan and bless me, and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. The promise, God said, Jacob, I'm going to do something in you, but it's not, it's for you, but it's not just for you. It's for life after you. 
may we as Christian people don't settle for just attending church to get my Holy Ghost goosebumps. That's awesome. As awesome as that could be. That's awesome. But when I leave this place, may I say, Lord, help me be a blessing to someone else. I might just want to smile at them. Their day might, they might be, they might be having an awful day. I'm going to go back. Their friend will go back here. Now, they, you know, I could be just having an awesome day, awful day, and I could just show up at this, I don't know, this deli, get a cup of coffee, and kind of wash my woes away. But someone just could come and say, hey, how you doing? Thanks for stopping in. Man, have a great day. And give me a smile like you're doing right now. It's going to change the whole dynamics of my day. It could change everything. Now, that doesn't mean that you may not be having a bad day of your own. But you've realized, I'm not going to put my bad day on top of your bad day and make your day worse. So what I'm going to do, as the scripture says, I'm going to be more than a conqueror. Not only am I not going to, not not going to conquer mine, but I'm also going to conquer yours by not giving you mine. I'm going to help you deal with yours. Just by giving you a smile. Just by giving you a smile. So God, when we leave this place, let it not be about me having a good time in church. Let it not just be about me. Oh, I heard, I heard a pretty decent song. I heard a, I read a scripture I hadn't read in a while. That was, that was encouraging. But God, let me take it. And let me impart it into the life of someone where their family could be blessed because you've blessed me. See, Jacob had moved from that place of selfishness to now he's thinking generationally. He's thinking in a way now where other people will be blessed because of him. Then Israel saw Joseph's sons and said, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, please bring them to me and I will bless them. You have to understand, this blessing, it wasn't just like, oh, God bless you. No, 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 no. When these guys bless their children, they would put their hands on them. <laughs> and they would start declaring over them what their life was going to be like. They started imparting into them. They were prophetically speaking into their lives, and their lives were literally started marching out those orders that they had received from God and declared over their children. He said, bring me the children. I got something for them. Bring them to me. I want them to have what I have. And God said that I was going to give to the next generation. And so that's what he did. It's just that simple. Be willing to give away what you have. That way, God's kingdom will ever increase. It will never stop. Who you are will never stop. Even when you have left this planet, 
who you are, you still have impact on the earth today. See, in the business world, we call it residual income. We like that. It's like you sow on that seed, that bad boy just keep on coming. Every month, it just keep on coming. In the kingdom of God, we call it fruit that remains. He said that I have chosen you that you may bring forth fruit and that your fruit remains. This is what he's called to do. Real quick, what does this look like? I'm going to wrap this up. And get on about your camping, your Labor Day weekend, and all that good stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> But uh, before we go there, but I will, I will say this. Jacob did have an advantage. He did. He had an advantage that maybe some people didn't have. One of them that he had a granddaddy that God had imparted his covenant with. He had a daddy that God met in imparting his covenant to. And now it's his turn. In other words, he didn't have to, he didn't have to reinvent the wheel. He had a head start. I mean, he, he sent his children out with strength and with power so they can go to the next level, not trying to figure out life. Okay. Are there any children here, young people? Yeah, they're all children, okay. Just so you know, I'll speak to my child here for a moment. I know she's almost, never mind. Um, when parents... Good parents are sharing things with you. It's not always just to be nagging you. It's not. It's not there just to get on your nerves. Because just maybe they've walked through some landmines. Just maybe they've, they've experienced some things, and they're looking down the road, and they're saying, son, Right here, we're gonna, I'm going I'm to take you through the landmine. You, you don't have, I've stepped on a few. See this lamp I have right here? <laughs> it's not because I'm cool. <laughs> it's because I stepped on one, and it, 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 it changed the way I walk. But if you stay right here, I'm going to get you through. We're going to take a left here. Oh, yeah, we're going to take a right here. We're going to take another right up here. And when you get over that hill over there, there's going to be a tree. You take a left at that tree, you'll find the place that you're trying to get to. What am I doing? I'm sharing directions, information to the next generation so they don't have to fall into the traps that some of us have fallen into. Somewhere along the line, we must understand that we need to take the information that we've received and pass it on to the next generation so they can walk in healthy transformation and not always fall. So, How is this going to work? Well, number one, I, we, as parents, teachers, friends, as generational leaders, I want to use that term. We're generational leaders. We're leaders in our generation. You're leaders in your generation. We are gen in other words, we have influence in people's lives even when we don't think we do. And that's what a leader is. A leader is someone who is able to influence people to follow them into a certain direction. And I've come to find out that people are looking and following even when I don't know they are joining. One of the scariest things, scary, one of the hum most humbling things I've experienced when a neighbor come up to us, Sue and I, was like, 
you know, I just watch y'all, and I just love the way y'all treat each other, and blah, 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 blah. And you're sitting there like, oh, my goodness, what else did they see? <laughs> I know what you're telling me that you saw, <laughs> but I'm hoping that's all you saw. And I found out that people are watching. People are seeing, they're hearing. So that's why I use the term generational leaders. Just who we are. We're leading people. Sometimes we don't even know that we're leading. One of the things that's important in this process to lead and to help the next generation to go forward to do the things that they've been called to do is I will use this term to coach. Can I use the term coach? Coach for success. Don't coach them just to get them out of your way or to get what you want, but to coach them so they themselves can be successful. This is a pretty interesting story here. Well, the next one, not this one. But this one's good too, trust me. Proverbs 22 and 6, it says, Train up a child in the way that it should go, and when they're old, it will not depart from it. I know if you've, if you've attended church at least once, you've probably heard this scripture, especially if you were talking about children, because you know, Parents, train up your child, and that's what we love. We look, God told me to train you and beat you until you get it. And that's not what he's saying. It's not what he's saying. Train them. That word discipline is to get involved, to help them to understand. But there's another word in that definition means to narrow. To narrow. Another, sometimes you hear people say, well, we'll just let them get it. They, they have to figure it out. Well, that's not God's design for his children for the next generation. He says to narrow it down so they don't have to fall over here in the pitfalls that you fell in, but put them on a path that they could find the right direction. He said, narrow it. We like to shoot like this. Bam! Scare the bell out there. They'll get it. No, 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 no. Why would you want your child to limp like you're limping? To have the fear that you, fears that you have. To go through some of the things. Why would you want that? No, no, no. If you love them, narrow it down. So when they walk, and I say children, it's not just children, it's anyone that's in my life in this generation going forward. Teachers, be someone that can help people find the right mark. Narrow it down. He said, train them up in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart. They'll get it. They'll get it. I thought this was pretty cool here. You shall teach them to your children, talking about God's word, speaking to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. In other words, he's saying, man, the things that you know, teach it to your children. Don't be ashamed of it. It helped you, right? Yeah, come on. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of heaven above the earth. Like, here's the deal. If you're willing to share what you know when your children move into the places of their destiny. Their life will be one of multiplication. They will go forward. They will do things that you never thought you could do. My children are doing things, good, bad, and different. We'll talk about those later. No. That I, would, I, I, I literally have said, I wouldn't have done that at that age. They're like, hey, let's try this. I don't think I'd have done that. But some reason, someone put enough courage inside of them to do stuff that's beyond what their mind sometimes can comprehend. But they're awesome, and they're willing to do things and don't allow fear 
keep them held hostage. Me, I walked in a lot of fear. I didn't do a lot of things that I probably would have liked to have done. But somewhere along the line, they've grabbed some stuff. I, I mean, I don't know. Let's just choose one. Making sushi, right? Yeah. I don't know, Mom. I would like a sushi machine. Why? I want to make sushi. You can't do that. Yes, I can. Watch. Here you go. I'm like, I never would have thought about that. I know that sounds simple, but it's not about what they're doing. It's what their heart is telling them that they can do. It's what their heart is not limiting them to doing. Can we do that to people that we're leading? To teach them, don't be limited by the fears of the past, the fears of your forefathers, but go forward in the courage of your God and do things that other people will be wowed at. I'm going to lead a karaoke band. What? I'm not doing that. I wouldn't have done that. If you don't mind. Just do it. Teach people around you to do things beyond what the fears of the world is trying to keep them from doing. Second one. Maybe we'll stop at this one. Maybe we'll stop. Maybe. No problems here. Number two. Another thing, one is to coach to success, coach people, teach people, encourage people to walk beyond fears of the world or the generation that they're in, but walk for success. Number two is to teach, help, and train them to be confident in what they're doing. I, I love this one right here. I love this one. Remember Peter? Peter was, he was one of those, we would call knuckleheads, but, you know, hey, he got it too. Matthew 14, 27, 29, it says, but immediately, remember Jesus come walking on the water, and they all thought, we're dead. <laughs> Jesus come walking on the water, they're in the boat, they got this storm going on, they're like, yeah, he's a ghost, we're dead, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. Yeah, okay. And so Peter, he looks up, here he goes, and immediately Jesus spoke to him saying, be of good cheer, it is I. Okay, that's good. Do not be afraid. All right, I'm going to try. And Peter answered, him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. He didn't tell him to no, stay on the boat. You're going to die, you crazy boy. No, 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 no. Peter had a heart to say, God, if you're in it, I want to be a part of it. God, if, if, you, if you think I can do it, I at least want to try. Can I at least take a stab at it? And Jesus is like, sure, come on. I mean, can you picture this? Here, here, here's the question. I have this. You think about it, write it down, do whatever you want. Do you have some dreams in your heart that if, there was no, if money wasn't an object, if crazy people around you wasn't an object, that you would do it? I mean, think about it. Do, is there anything in your life that you would like to do that if you could just say, bam, it's done, that you would do it? I don't know. God, for some reason, he has a mentality that's like, you know what, if you want to do it, I'm willing to partner with you in it. It's true. Peter's heart was like, I want nature to act unnormal for me. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. That water, I'm not supposed to walk on it according to nature. But I know you are the creator. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness of the love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all belongs to you. So I want to come to you, Lord. I want to do something with you. It's going to look crazy. It's going to look dumb. But man, it'll be fun. 
I think this is going to be awesome. So, Lord, if it's you, can I come? Come. Come on. Jesus didn't roll him a a rowboat out there. Nah. He didn't send a rap. No, 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 no. He didn't build him a bridge. No, 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 no. The thing that gave Peter the ability to do it was one word, and that was come. So he stepped out on the come. Do it. Do it. What is it? What's in your heart, man, you've been wanting to do? What's in your heart that God has been like, come on, Craig, I think you can do it. You're just crazy. I can trust you in your imagination. Do you know that God trusts your imagination? He's not going to let you get too crazy. I understand it. But go, man. Stop allowing, allowing the limitations of society and the world keep you and keep your children and those around you from doing the impossible. May we coach the next generation to do things that we have not been able to do. Somebody's going to build a computer. What's a computer? I don't know. It sounds fun. And somebody did it. I don't know, Noah. It's going to rain. I want you to build a boat. Uh, okay, what's rain? What's this boat thing? What do you mean it's all this water is going to, because all we know is just mist coming out of the ground. Never heard of this rain thing. Well, it's going to rain. All right. Hey, Peter. Come here. You have permission to do the impossible. You have permission to do what other people haven't done before. Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, <laughs> you got to have, if you can work with me here, picture this, seriously. You got the storm going on. You have this ghost sitting out there in the middle of the water. At least we thought it was a ghost. Find out that, okay, it's Jesus. He said he was. And uh, Peter, our leader, um, he asked one of the dumbest questions I ever heard of before in my life. And now he's doing the dumbest thing I think I've ever seen them ever do it in their life. He's crawling out of the boat, Peter. Don't crawl out of the boat. You can't, you're going to die. Jesus encouraged this boy, <laughs> this man, to do something that other people may have died to do. See, what other people were afraid they were going to die, Peter was looking at, well, this could be adventurous. <laughs> If it's possible, if it's you, God, I want to I come out there on the water. I want to walk, and I want my faith to be broadened. I want to be able to keep my head above the waves. And he stepped out. Jesus encouraged him to come. He stepped out there. Now, granted, he had a little problem process. Waves got a little high. His mind got involved. His heart got a little heavy. So he sank. And maybe that's license for us to go. See, he shouldn't have gotten out of the boat. No. No, no, no. That's not the lesson. The lesson is don't take your eye off the one who's called you to do it. Whatever it is, you're stepping into, whatever it is that you're coaching others to do, one thing to tell your children, 
y'all don't do that. When you step out there, it might look a little crazy. I might have to close my eyes. But in the middle of living in Los Angeles, California, don't take your eyes off the one who called you. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you go. This is what I've got to teach my children. It doesn't matter what you live, where you live. It doesn't matter where you go. Just keep your eye on the one who called you. Peter stepped out on the scene that others, I can imagine, in that boat were thinking, he's dead. Who's going to be the next leader? <laughs> next. <laughs> he's out of here. See, he's sinking. He's sinking. Then stepped up there. Oh, yeah, he's dead. Tell his mom. Tell his wife. He's done. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's walking back. Could it be he's walking back? Now, he sank. He cried out for the Lord. Jesus helped him up. And it said Jesus carried him back to the boat. Let my imagination work here. You got yourself out here, you can get yourself back. Come on, go for a walk. Don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid, afraid, to, afraid to try what God is asking you to do. And above all else, teach encourage, coach, and help other people see. There's more to life than what I've shown you. I've shown you a lot of things. They have traveled many places with me. They have done a lot of things. I've shown them a lot of things. But there's more to life than what I've shown them. And it's my responsibility to give them some shoulders to stand on so they could see further than this guy has ever seen. See, they think I'm awesome. They do. They may not tell you, but they do. Their hearts are just, just, just flooding with how awesome their dad is. You'll thank me later. But I want my children, and I want the world that I have, the generation that I serve, to know that there's more to life than what you've seen me live. So I want you to look beyond what I've seen and look into the promises and see that land that flows with milk and honey. I believe it was Dr. King who said, I've seen the promised land. <laughs> Moses looked over there, he saw it. Not that I'm going anywhere, don't get too happy. I'm not going anywhere, no, 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 I'm just saying. <laughs> There's more to life than what we as leaders can show give to other people. But we have to let them get it and figure it out and help them get there. Amen? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. So Jacob, maybe we'll stop talking about him now. I don't know. No promises. I, I, I've been trying to get away from this guy the past few weeks, but he just keeps popping up in my conversations. And there's more to talk about than I realize. But Jacob was a man. He started out very selfish, living life for himself. Then he encountered God, and God said, son, your life has more meaning to it than you ever could have imagined. And part of it is there's other people who need what you have. I know sometimes we, don't, we look in the mirror and we don't see that about ourselves. 
But if I can encourage you today, there are people in this world need what you have. They need who you are. Because after all, you was made in the likeness and the image of your God. And he don't make junk. He made you just perfect, special, just the way you are. And he embraced you right where you are. So don't allow who you think you are or the failures that you may have experienced to define who you are. Look in the heart of God and say, that's who I am. That's who I am. So God, help me get there. Help me be what I'm supposed to be so I can help the next generation get to where they're going to be. Father, we bless you and we thank you.